0: We have a super amazing bonus episode today. Laura, what do we have going on? Today on That Tech Pod,
1: we do have a special bonus episode where we will dive into everything Apple. On this episode, we will go over Apple's most recent emergency update, past vulnerabilities around iCloud photo uploads for child sexual abuse material, and break down if Apple is the best option or if Google outstands Apple
0: when it comes to privacy. To help us do this, we have Rob Bateman. Rob is an analyst and research director at GRC World Forms. So let's start with this most recent uh, Apple vulnerability. So just this week, this is what happens. I'm reading from uh, Computer World. So. On Monday, Apple issued an emergency security updates for iOS, macOS, and other operating systems um, to plug a hole that some researchers claimed planted on uh, had pl- had been planted on a Saudi political activist's device by NSO Group, an Is- Israeli seller of spyware and surveillance software to governments and their security agencies. So there's a lot going on there. Can you break that down for us and you know what what's what's the latest on, on all of that?
2: Sure. And uh hi Gabby and Laura, thanks for having me on. Great, great to be here. So this discovery uh, is a vulnerability discovered by a group called Citizen Lab. It actually Came up last month. Uh, Citizen Lab is a research group from the University of Toronto. Now, this group discovered that the iPhone is vulnerable to being hacked by a piece of software known as Pegasus. Uh, This is a spyware app developed by an Israeli company called NSO Group, as you mentioned. Uh, last month the Guardian ran an explosive report about NSO Group and how governments around the world have been using Pegasus to spy on their citizens. Uh, So just for background NSO Group says that this software is intended to be used for fighting suspected terrorists and paedophiles and so on but The Guardian discovered that it was being used against innocent citizens, uh, you know, journalists, political activists, uh, civil society groups, and so on. Uh, This software is really very intrusive. Uh, If it's on your phone, you're liable to have your texts read, your your calls recorded, Uh, they can even turn on your camera and record video without you knowing. And it was thought that iPhones were resistant to uh, being uh, having their software planted on them thanks to a protection that Apple had in place known as Blast Door. Uh, Citizen Lab found that NSO Group could uh, get around this Blast Door protection and install Pegasus on iPhones. So they're calling this exploit forced entry uh, for that reason. So this is a zero-click exploit. What that means is that uh, users don't have to download a file or follow a link, there's no phishing involved. Uh, to get this spyware installed on your phone, uh, you wouldn't even know it was being installed, you wouldn't know anything has gone wrong. So Citizen Lab discovered Pegasus last month, initially on the phone of a Bahraini activist. And then more recently, they found it on a Saudi activist's phone. And on September the 7th, they sent more details about this vulnerability to Apple. And uh, they think people's phones have been vulnerable to Pegasus since at least March. Uh, So then Apple sent out this update on Monday the 13th and told users to patch their, their iPhone's urgently. And that, that's where we are now.
0: Yeah. And how are people reacting to this news? I know that the uh, EU's commissioner has come out and said that, you know, we need to tighten up um, uh, privacy laws and and calling for urgent action in response to this um, spyware. Uh, it was, so can you just break down for us some of the reactions that we're seeing from this in the US and globally?
2: Well, there's been a lot of panic about this exploit and, uh, you know, the sort of cybersecurity community has been uh, urging people to update very, uh, you know, very urgently. Apple has actually been criticised for not having pushed this update loud enough. You know, there, there has been some... Uh, Some people are saying that uh, Apple have been a little bit uh, apathetic on on this. I mean, they patched the vulnerability fairly quickly, but um, some say they could have been more urgent in pushing the update to their users. On the other hand, I mean, this software is very much targeted. It has been used on thousands of people, but the chances of most people having it installed on their iPhones is very low. So some people, a BBC reporter named uh, Joe Tidy, for example, uh, mentioned the other day, while it's very serious, the average person doesn't necessarily have to worry about having Pegasus on their phone. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's very important to keep your phone secure as far as possible, And we have to remember that some very vulnerable people and uh, in risky situations are targeted by this software. So it's extremely important to to act on it as soon as you can.
1: So, Rob... You know, being a specialist in this area, is this something that you've seen before? Have you seen any kind of forced entry specific to Apple or any of the other, you know, providers in this area?
2: So Apple didn't come out very well from the Pegasus revelations. Um, Some of the investigations into the... the, uh, Basically, there was a list of targets or potential targets of Pegasus software. And when researchers asked to see some of these people's phones for their, you know, for their research purposes, they found that many of them were indeed infected with Pegasus. Now, it's always a cat and mouse game with this, this sort of thing. So someone will discover an vulnerability iPhone will uh, well, Apple will, will patch it and then And so we'll find a new vulnerability and patch that too. But this blast door um, protection was thought to be effective and has now proved not to be. Uh, So I think that's why this is a particularly big deal for Apple.
0: So I know you mentioned before that right now, average users don't really have to worry about this. Um, You know, right now uh, that there's very little a uh, chance that this is impacting them personally but you know spyware spyware folks cyber and privacy uh, experts are pretty alarmed by it do you think you know does this set like a dangerous precedent for uh, you know maybe right now average citizens don't really have to worry about it but down the line like you know this is actually a red flag or a red alarm
2: absolutely i mean it's always a question of individual risk and also societal risk. While I might not have much chance of having my phone infected with Pegasus because this government at this time probably is not interested in what I'm doing with it, that's not to say that some future government won't be interested in what I'm doing on my phone. And indeed, these vulnerabilities are open to anyone smart enough to exploit them. So uh, it's it's really not enough to say that the average person doesn't have to worry about these problems. There are non-average people out there that are at risk of being caught by these exploits. And once the infrastructure is in place for these sorts of uh, hacking and and privacy invasions by governments, then there's potential there for some very, uh, well, let's put it this way. Citizen Lab describes NSO Group as a company that conducts despotism as a service. So they can act on behalf of governments to Uh, to tap all sorts of people's phones. And that that is a very worrying thing.
1: Yeah, you heard it here. Um, All people, average people, be scared as well. Anyone or don't. It may not affect any of us. Uh But but it does kind of make us go back to some of the other things that have been going on when it comes to Apple and some of their other big privacy and security headaches that have been going on. So to our knowledge, there was a plan to scan people's iCloud photo uploads for child sexual abuse material. Obviously, this is a very controversial issue. But Rob, can you kind of go through that situation in a little bit more detail? Because it, it kind of makes you question, yes, you had the most recent vulnerability, but it's it's a reminder that this isn't the first of um, Apple's vulnerabilities to, to come to light.
2: So what you're referring to there was a plan by Apple to introduce scanning on iPhones for child sexual abuse material or CSAM as, as it's known. And this has been very controversial among privacy and security experts and sort of goes, it's been a bit of a PR disaster for Apple too because they've really had a big push in recent years to uh, portray themselves as the best option for privacy. So let me explain a bit about how this CSAM uh, scanning idea would work. Now, most tech platforms already uh, scan for, for CSAM on their cloud storage servers. So uh, many use a program called Microsoft uh, Photo DNA to, to scan uploads to their, their own servers. Uh, Facebook, for example, makes hundreds of thousands of reports every year to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And other platforms like Google, Microsoft, Twitter make many reports too. But the controversial aspect of Apple's proposals were that the company planned to scan users' photos on their devices. So before they were uploaded to the cloud server. Now Apple said, and apparently genuinely believed that uh, people would go along with this, that this was the more private option. Uh, It's better to have stuff scanned on your phone than in the cloud as it were. But the response from the privacy privacy community was very uh, negative and it's, it's caused a big problem for Apple. Um, so, as mentioned, uh, Apple's uh, scanning is quite different from other companies, and they, this is how it works. So they use a tool called neural hash to break up pictures into hashes, so that's strings of numbers that sort of represent the characteristics of the picture. And these hashes can't be reverse engineered to let people see the image, and they're not affected by sort of crude techniques that can be used to disguise a photo, like resizing it or, or changing the color profile, for example. They also don't generally lend themselves to false positives, at least not in the same way that looking directly at an image would do. So a picture of your kid in the bath, for example, might not generate a hash that looks like a known child sexual abuse material photo. Uh, so Apple's plan, and this is the, the controversial part, is to upload a list of hashes that are already known to be associated with CSAM photos uh, provided by the, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and keep that list on your phone, update it regularly, and then compare the hashes of your pictures uh, that you upload to iCloud with the hashes on that list. So... the, the if, if Apple finds a match, they won't immediately report you to the police or to the, uh, the, the, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children. But what they do is to add what they call a safety voucher to your iCloud profile. This allows for a few false positives. Once you get a predetermined number of safety vouchers, Apple then refers your phone to the authorities.
1: Do you think Apple is currently looking at our phones, Gabby? Do you think right now Apple has all of our great photos? Because I know we have some really good ones, and they're probably like, <laughs> "I'm I'm little." They're probably shifting through, and they're like, "Is this a child?" Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, one hundred percent. I mean, look, I'm I'm cynical. I'm I think like all of our data is just out there and being looked at by like everyone. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. But um, Rob, it is it is kind of. <laughs> kind of going back to to what you were saying you know so apple in, in light of the the pushback on this policy on this new sort of system um and and you mentioned this um you know apple kind of put in a little bit more of these uh things in place to reduce the amount of of false flagging but so Apple said you know uh, this new sort of system w- uh, will ensure there's less than one in a million uh, I'm sorry one in one trillion chance of incorrectly flagging an account per year um, What do you think about their response does that does that appease um, critics to to this this uh, this policy what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, one in a trillion, That, if true, that that really is quite an impressive technique they've got. I think one of the problems that people have with this is not so much looking for these CSAM images, uh, not so much the chance of innocent people being caught out by it, but just, again, putting this infrastructure in place, that could be abused by uh, by government. So the EFF, for example, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, by the way, uh, I'll mention this now, but I'm, uh, I'm running a session uh, next week on this, I'm not hosting it, but my, my company is it's, uh, about the the uh the sea sound scanning we've got someone from eff uh come to to, to talk about it um I'll, I'll mention at the end how to register for that but that, that i'm looking forward to do you think gabby event. and i
1: should join the event do you think we'd be yeah, good please yes?
2: do, yeah it's free to 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 register Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah I need to... <laughs> So so anyway, uh, I'll come back to that uh, later on if you if you remind me. So the the criticism is that this is turning your phone into a sort of black box, you know, with a with a backdoor that could be exploited by governments again. So first they're looking for child sexual abuse material, then what if they start looking for example uh, for terrorist uh, related content? and then what if they start looking for pirated videos for example you know copyrighted material and moving on from that what if they then start looking for images uh, associated with political activism this is slippery slope idea that once you have this infrastructure in place you have a backdoor on you know millions of people's phones there's no way back from that the government could turn and uh, and and ask them to start scanning for other stuff, and it's, it's quite a dangerous situation. That's the argument against this this,
0: right. this idea. And a follow up question to that, and you know, this is obviously not my expertise, so this is why I'm going to ask you. Um, so tell me how off I am on this, but kind of like my other question, now this uh, it, it could set a precedent. And like you're just saying right now, you know, future governments may use this, um, to search for other things, but does, do the companies, does do big tech companies or governments have to announce, um, these different sort of, uh, intensive, uh, intention, intention, sorry. Um, In these searching mechanisms. So, for example, if they have the capacity with this, you know, with trying to rule out child abuse, um, and, but then they're like, oh, I want to, I want to rule out, um, or I want to target Uh, Black Lives Matter activists, um, and then they start searching, like using the tools that are in place to search for that. Does that have to be notified? Is there any way we would know that was happening? Or is that completely able to happen under under the table?
1: And just to jump on that further, I think when you were describing that, Gabby, it made me really think about like all of the body cam footage stuff where people are saying or like scanning your face where they're saying, but hey, we can detect if that was the killer by doing this, and then as an everyday person, I'm like, figure out other ways to do that. I don't want my face scanned, and so it is always that fine line.
2: Yeah, so it's a great question, and two two kind of elements to that question. So, first of all, I mean that really whether or not governments can abuse this facility without us knowing depends on the strength of the rule of law in the relevant country. Now, this feature, I call it a feature, I mean, this, 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 uh, this idea was only going to be rolled out in the US initially. And I don't say that necessarily in a positive sense, because the US has, you know, we know from Edward Snowden, and and so on, had a lot of sort of secretive programs for surveilling their citizens and uh, people abroad. So I think it would be difficult to order Apple to start scanning for other types of material without people finding out, but that's not to say that it's impossible. Certainly, there have been secret surveillance programs before, and those have evaded the the legislature and, and the press and so on for some time. Um, Regarding other ways to do this, I mean, there are other legitimate ways that governments can spot suspicious activity among uh, phone users and Internet users by looking at metadata, for example. So not necessarily the content of people's photos or messages, but the information about them who they were sent to, when they were sent. For example, someone who's sending lots of images to lots of teenage girls, that's a suspicious behavior. You can already tell that people are doing that despite end-to-end encryption and so on, because metadata is not exactly a fair game, but it's, it's much easier for governments to 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 detect those suspicious behaviours, using metadata. So like you say, Laura, it's, it it might be worth just having the government find more creative and less intrusive ways of detecting this sort of behaviour, perhaps measure this extreme is not even that helpful. I mean, I I personally have not really made up my mind on this uh, emphatically, just yet.
1: Yeah, no. The, you bring up a lot of uh, good points and help us break that down. So, so lastly today, before we let you go, um, and this may be the most important question that we dive into today for myself personally, and obviously, you know, all you listeners I care about you, and so hopefully, if you're like me, this is an, a, a hitter for you as well. I have an iPhone. I I tried to get an Android, and to be honest, I do have an Android as well, but I don't really claim it. So outside of today's episode, I'll try not to bring it up again because I'm ashamed. Um, but mostly, um, I use my iPhone because I'm I like the oh blue, the blue thing. I know my message went through and stupid little things like that that I do think make a difference to me. And I find my Android a little bit more complicated, a little bit more annoying. And I don't know if they received my message. And it's probably a silly reason, because I do think a lot of times I look at their photos and they just look better and better quality and a lot of things. And I always kind of have this back and forth question. But when we're looking at Apple's privacy and security issues, it does beg the question, is Apple more secure than Google? So can you help us break down the difference? Which is better? Um, and did I make the right choice? By being more interested in my Apple phone than the Android.
2: So I think there's two elements there: privacy, privacy, or privacy as we call it over here in the UK, or and security. And Apple basically wins on both uh, still now the company has had a lot of changes in recent years, there's been this push by them to really represent themselves as the the privacy option. Um, so uh, the last updates, uh, well, maybe one before last iOS 14.5, they introduced this um, consent mechanism where they required third party developers to get consent from the users before tracking them, meaning, you know, uh, compiling their activity across apps and on the web to target advertising. Basically, Uh, this is not something that Google does. Uh, Google is very much a data driven company. So any opportunity for apps to uh, collect data about their users is going to benefit Google. And Apple this 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 policy really does make a difference in terms of privacy. Now, Apple has been accused of hypocrisy here because it doesn't get opt-in, well, it didn't get opt-in consent for its own tracking activities. In fact, there was a legal case about this in France, or a complaint at least, um, accusing the company of, applying different standards to itself. But in uh, the most recent update, OS 15, uh, I think Apple has stopped even doing that. So if you're looking for a company that asks your consent before collecting your data, then Apple is definitely the one to go for. In terms of security, again, because the iPhone environment is a lot more closed, uh, it's, it's more difficult to download. Well, you can't, in fact, unless you're, you you jailbroken your iPhone, as they call it. You can't download apps or use apps that are not on the App Store, and they are very rigorous in their enforcement of Uh, the App Store guidelines. Android is a bit freer. It's a lot more open. It's open source as well. So you can download apps from the internet and use those even when they haven't come from the Google Play Store. This means you're more liable to download malware and so on, which creates a bit of a security vulnerability. So despite these problems, I think Apple still wins hands down for both privacy and security.
1: Woo! This is great news for for me. I feel safer. I feel reassured, and I still feel scared because you know you said it's a better option, didn't mean this is the this is the best out of what we have. So I don't know how great I feel about it, but but I'll still take it as a win. So thank you, Apple, for the you know blue marks I get sending the text message. You psychologically won me over. Uh, so I'll, cheers to that. And and Rob, you have been a great guest today. So uh, we will. We'll make sure to put e- information on your event but before we go if you want to tell anyone about that because it is yeah, sure. sort of tied into this and we always encourage people to you know get more knowledge attend more events and, and learn what's out there.
2: That's right so this event is part of PrivSec Global or PrivSec Global I think that's uh, that doesn't sound as good, but uh, it's uh, next Thursday, so the 22nd, uh, sorry, that's the 23rd of September. Uh, we're having a panel on Apple's child safety features, which have been delayed for the time being, by the way. Uh, the host is Albert Fox-Kahn from the uh, Stop Surveillance Technology Oversight Project. Great guy, uh, Albert. And uh, two panellists include Gillian C. York from EFF and uh, Magdalena Avancian. Uh, from Cousteau and that should be a really great discussion about if you're interested in Apple's plans and why they might be problematic that should be a great discussion about that other events uh, going on as well throughout two days between Wednesday and Thursday next week it's free to attend so I really do recommend people go to uh, privsecglobal.com that's p-r-i-v-s-e-c-global.com and register to, to attend any events that interest you
0: it's privsec or privsec if you're american just kidding um so rob thank you so much for for joining us and helping us understand what's what all these privacy and security concerns are with with apple and big tech in general so thank you so much
2: great thanks for having me on great to talk to you both
0: absolutely uh laura can you tell people where they can find us uh really quickly before we head out Of
1: course, uh, anyone who's listening to this bonus episode, congrats, you have already found us. But in case your friends haven't, you should send them over to www.thattechpod.com. Tell them to scroll to the bottom and subscribe so they don't miss any future episodes. In addition to that, they can also check us out on our LinkedIn slash that tech pod. They can tweet at us or teach us how to tweet because we are not good at Twitter at that tech pod at Twitter somewhere. Um, Yeah, somewhere out there in Twitter. Bye bye. Bye.